Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. In 1969, a plan to show support for an anti-racism protest turned the lives of 14 promising black student-athletes upside down. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. We're in Serbia, driving south from Belgrade. Peeling off the motorway, we wind our way into the mountain town of Serdalica. So this is the town centre? Yes. You can see the cars are older and rustier compared to Belgrade especially. That's Gruitza from the BBC Serbian Bureau. We're working on this story together. Across the snow, we trudge towards a block of grey flats where someone is waiting for us. Hi, hi. Hi, I'm Sam. Jovana. Great to meet you. Jovana Brajevic meets us in a tracksuit and trainers, blonde hair tied up in a bun, and walks us up to an apartment. Not hers, she tells us. She's using it for the interview so her neighbours wouldn't see us coming. She starts by telling us about life in Serdalica. This is a small town. We have a tough life. We have jobs with low salaries and temporary contracts, and even those are hard to get. Over the next two hours, Yovana tells us about her job, a strange one as it turned out. You thought you were getting a job as a technician, but suddenly all of this, how did you feel about what was happening? I was ashamed, actually. I believed in the idea of Serbia. I thought the government wanted to help people. But suddenly, I realised I needed to do an additional job. What Jovana says happened tells us a lot about life in the country, about its ruling party, its president, and about power in Serbia. I'm Sam Judah. And this is The Documentary. On BBC Trending, we're looking at power and the ways social media is being used as a tool of manipulation and control. In this episode, we're in Serbia, where the SNS party, led by Aleksandr Vucic, has held power since 2012. He became Prime Minister in 2014, President in 2017, and continues to consolidate his rule today. In elections held in December... His party won an absolute majority in its National Assembly amid claims of electoral fraud from the opposition. (laughs) 
To his supporters, he's a pragmatist who's ushered in an era of stability and growth. To his critics, he's overseen a steady corruption of Serbia's democracy, tightly controlling the country's media and diminishing press freedom. In 2019, the US NGO Freedom House downgraded Serbia's ranking from free to partly free in terms of civil liberties. And today, Vucic and his party stand accused of controlling social media too. Few people can explain that story quite like Jovana. She says she got a job as a cleaner in 2016 at an electricity company linked to the Serbian government. But a few months later, she was told she'd be taking on new responsibilities. The director of the company told me I would have to start botting for the SNS party. She joined a secret team of online bots. In Serbia, that's an ironic term for a real person tasked with posting messages in support of a political party. At the first meeting, the director told us we would receive messages on Viber. With content we should post on Facebook and Twitter, photos and videos supporting Vucic and the SNS. Ivana shows us screenshots she took from Viber, a private messaging app the SNS party used to coordinate the team of bots, she says. So this is a news piece about the work of an SNS politician. And what does this mean here? It says we should share it and write a comment. So this is a direct instruction from the SNS to repost this article and leave a comment as well. Yes, Yuvana says she posted prolifically on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Her team was tracked on a special app which ranked the SNS bots in her region. And I can see you're on a kind of leaderboard here. You're in third place. What does that mean? I work day and night to get that score. I posted so many messages. In 2019, Jovana became a receptionist at a similar company. It was a step up and the botting work she was asked to do became more sinister. Not just promoting the SNS, but attacking its opponents. This time from accounts with fake names. I used really bad language in those posts. I wrote about the former mayor of the town. Attacking him became the top priority. Did you know that what you were doing on social media was wrong? Did you feel it was wrong? Yes, I felt guilty. I couldn't sleep. I was posting made-up stories about his daughters. But you did continue doing this for quite some time. Why did you do that? I was afraid I would lose my job. I'm an only parent and I have a young daughter. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to support her. Yovana says she worked as an SNS bot for five years before things got complicated. We'll come back to that later on. But her story doesn't exist in a vacuum. Last summer, someone tweeted a link to a spreadsheet that was leaked online. A list containing thousands of names, all of them bots, just like Yovana, it was claimed. The list was public. You can still find the list very easily and just open it. It just has the name and surname and the region that that person is from. This is Borjan Gagovsky, a journalist from North Macedonia. He started looking into the list of 14,000 social media accounts, each linked, supposedly, to a real Serbian citizen. Where has this list come from? 
the list came from this guy for whom there's very little information online. He just published it on his Twitter with no real context or backing. It just kind of appeared. So this guy who posted it, who is he? That's the million-dollar question as to who he even is. He goes by Dragan Vidakovic Murky on Twitter, but we don't know if that's his real name. He's got a picture of Popeye, the sailor man, in his profile, and he says he leads an obscure right-wing opposition group called Serbian Movement Guerrilla. There's very little about it online, and we have no idea if his list can be trusted. I tried messaging Dragan. He pinged back before disappearing, but Borjan did get him to exchange a few emails. You asked him where he got this information. What did he say? He said that he bought this data from some insider in the party whose job it was to coordinate these messaging groups, these Viber groups, on how to do their social media activity. Do you trust him? Do you think he's telling the truth? Uh, it's extremely difficult to verify anything he says. However, most of those uh, profile links do lead to profiles that are seemingly bots. Why did he make that decision to publish people's names? You know, these people have no opportunity to reply to what he's saying, to defend themselves. He said that his idea was to put all these people on the pillar of shame. He wanted these people to feel shame about what they did. And he said that a few people had contacted him, asking him uh, to remove their name from the list because they're embarrassed in front of their family and their friends, but that he had refused to do so. Dragan, whoever he is, seems to loathe Serbia's ruling SNS party, and he wants the bots, the people on the list, to feel ashamed. I wondered if that was fair. Back in Belgrade, I went to meet Tamara Brankovic. Hello. Hi. Yes, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. She works with an organisation called CERTA. We are a group of activists, journalists, researchers, political scientists, and we actually measure and report about the quality of democracy in Serbia. I asked Tamara about Dragan's view that the so-called bots should feel ashamed. Why shouldn't they support a political party online? The problem is that those people are under really huge pressure to do these kinds of things. If they don't obey, then they will lose their job or someone from their family is going to lose the job. That's the heart of the issue for Tamara. And she says it points to a much broader problem in Serbia's political environment. For more than a decade now, the conditions for democracy seriously deteriorate. The ruling party and the government merged. As a citizen, you can't actually distinguish where the state ends and the political party begins. Tamara makes a common complaint, one that President Vucic has frequently denied. But she says a cult of personality around the man himself is playing a key role in that process. President of Serbia, Aleksandar Vucic, his um, overwhelming political space from January this year, he appeared more than 260 times live. Camera is always following him wherever he goes, basically, appearing on television to be a star of a show that exists only because of him. This is President Vucic in one of his many TV appearances, laughing along with a chat show host ahead of those December elections. I asked Tamara about that list, 
of 14,000 social media accounts accused of botting for the SNS. She doesn't know if it's legitimate, but she says the numbers are plausible. Does the research you've done before suggest that there could be that many people doing this work? Or could the machinery really be that large? Well, definitely, yes. Uh, Public sector is the biggest employer in the country. The party is controlling this public sector. I want to dig into the list in more detail. So I've come to meet another colleague from the BBC's Serbian Bureau, data journalist Laza Chovs. Hi, Sam. Great to meet you. Glad we could finally do this. He's been trawling through the list to see what he can find. So we've got your laptop open in front of us and we're looking at this spreadsheet. Let's talk about what we've been doing. We have took sort of a random sample and then tried to establish whether the account seem real, whether the picture is real, the profile. The list is broken down by social networks the bots are alleged to be operating on. X, formerly Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. We looked at 50 accounts from each network, 200 in total, and tried to establish if real people are behind them and what they're posting about. And what's your assessment? This does not look like automated accounts. If you look at the typos, automated account wouldn't make this sort of typos. I'm going to do Google image search and I'm going to check whether this specific image is being used anywhere else. Zero matches? This isn't a scientific study. It's more of a sense check. But of the 200 accounts we looked at, around half carried clear hallmarks you'd expect to see if they were run by real people. Things like natural language in their posts, a unique profile picture or plenty of followers. Another quarter were borderline cases. And the final quarter, they seemed a bit lifeless, like reposting other people's content from behind an avatar. In her bio, it also says that she's a manager of a local branch of public health service. Is this somebody whose job might rely to some degree on uh, a friendly connection with the SNS party? Well, many experts do agree that a lot of these jobs are being allocated due to friendly connections with the SNS. More than half the accounts we looked at were littered with pro-SNS messaging. And in most of those, we saw the same articles and the same videos being posted over and over again. We asked the social media platforms what they know about the list. Meta, which runs Facebook and Instagram, says it is aware of the list and the ongoing problem of inauthentic activity linked to employees of the SNS. It's shut down hundreds of the accounts listed, it says, but others remain live because it's hard to prove why accounts, apparently owned by real people, post what they do. TikTok says it's now investigating the list. We contacted all 200 accounts in our sample, offering them a chance to be interviewed, and spoke to one person on the list. He told us he was working as a bot, taking instructions to promote the SNS online, but that he didn't want to be identified. The only self-confessed bot we found willing to go on the record is Yovana. She says the botting work was weighing heavily on her conscience. I started asking myself questions. What am I doing? For who? Is Serbia really supposed to be like this? In May of 2022, Yovana did something remarkable. She used one of her fake accounts to turn the tables on her bosses 
posting a new string of messages threatening to expose what had been going on. Here's one of them. When the time comes, I will have no mercy. I'll disclose everything about you. Oh, look, and you've written the last line on this post in English. It says the clock is ticking. And what happened? What did the SNS do about this? They were really afraid. This is where Yovana's story gets knotty. She says her employer offered her a deal. In exchange for her silence, she and her husband would receive permanent contracts. And Yovana said yes. But a year later, in the summer of 2023, her husband's job still hadn't materialised. That's when she gave a tell-all interview to a Serbian TV station, a smaller channel less beholden to the party. After I gave the interview, the other bots started posting abuse about me online. They called me a prostitute, a drug abuser, and a lot of other names. Yuvana says she is concerned for her safety, but thinks speaking out so publicly actually affords her some protection. She's currently still in her job and pledges to keep speaking up. A lot of people have contacted me in private, offering support. They've told me not to give up the fight. We put all of Yovana's allegations, and those made by whoever leaked the spreadsheet to the SNS party. They did not respond to our letter. Tamara from Serta thinks the story tells us a lot about Serbia's political landscape and the growing dominance of the SNS party. She says its effects are felt far beyond the internet. It's not only that the party is requiring you to bot, but the party is also requiring you to quit um, connections with some of your friends and families who are like critical towards the government. So we are basically splitting communities. I mean, there are places in the country which are basically split, so it goes really deep into the private sphere, and that's really scary. That's it for this episode of the documentary from BBC Trending. Thanks to Laza Kovs, Gritza Andrich and everyone at the BBC Serbia Bureau. Also to Andy Mills, our studio manager and editor, Flora Carmichael. And thank you for listening. Remember, we have a BBC Trending podcast. Find us wherever you get yours and you won't miss a single edition. Before we go, here's another podcast you might want to try. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student-athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. 
Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink, The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.